Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Dale Nichols, manager of the elite-rated Fidelity China Special Situations Trust. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. Um, going to start with a bit of geopolitics. Um, so, I guess, what does a Biden presidency mean for China and its companies, and, and does it change anything or the direction of travel for the country? Yeah, it was obviously still very early days, but every indication we get that it's going to be very much uh, the same. Um, so we've seen in in the uh, you know the appointment hearings uh, with Yellen, et cetera, It seems like the line is 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 very much the same, and it's going to be a relatively hard line. Um, I think the changes you can expect, at least from the U.S. side, is is probably a more multilateral approach, um, and I think you know probably see an increased focus on human rights, uh, probably at the margin. Um, you know, I think, you know, from, from the China perspective, one thing they'll probably appreciate is just a little bit more predictability. Um, and I think probably investors are in the same category there, uh, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of U.S. policy. But, um, overall, I, I, I don't expect a huge change, um, you know, in, in policy there. I think, you know, the, the competition and friction there is really going to be with us for decades going forward. I think, you know, from a market perspective on the positive side, I think that's more accepted. Um, and, and probably pretty much pretty much consensus. Okay. Um, China was part of a huge interregional trade deal that was signed last year. Um, could you explain what the deal is, and does it open up any opportunities now or in the future? Yeah, it's it's obviously pretty significant um, when you think about the countries that are that are included. We're talking, you know, you know lo- probably around thirty percent of global GDP and, and population, and it's about. You know, bringing down a lot of the of, of the tariffs and sort of and sort of trade barriers uh, that are there. So, um, you know, that's you know, it's 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 obviously pretty significant. You know, for me as an investor, um, you know, investing in China, it's probably less significant than than I would say probably if you're investing directly in some of the countries in Southeast Asia that that sort of will 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 have probably less fettered access to uh, to a lot of the markets. But you know, it's clearly you know it's clearly a huge positive. Just in terms of reducing trade friction, trade barriers. Um, so I think over the long term, um, you know, you've got to you've got to definitely view it as as a positive. But uh, as as I said, for me, I'm focused more on the domestic opportunity um, in China. When I look across the sort of investment units that, the universe that I'm focused on, you know, you could pick out maybe some shipping companies. There are some textile companies that have that have capacity in Southeast Asia that will clearly benefit, particularly the ones that I think are selling into places like Japan. But, you know, again, for me, I'm, I'm really largely focused on the domestic opportunity in China, uh, you know, the, the tech companies, the growth of the middle class, uh, the consumer in general, areas like healthcare and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, a, a positive, but, you know, sort of no direct links to a lot of the companies I have in the portfolio. And Obviously, there's only been one story that sort of dominated in 2020. Could you maybe give us a bit more of an insight on how China's fared since the onset of the pandemic in the past year or so? And has the economy opened up? Are there more problems sort of coming around down the road again now for for the region? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, China overall overall has done a a really good job of of getting things under control. Obviously, it was a, you know, it was a pretty strict uh, approach strict measures in terms of lockdowns initially, but you know that allowed them to get the numbers down significantly, um, and and on the back of that, recover pretty quickly. Um, I'd say that the recovery probably started more on the industrial side, a lot of manufacturing companies. Um, you know, I, I, 
you know, the ones that we're speaking to, they're sort of you know back to full production, you know, in the first half. For the more consumer-related areas, um, you know, the recovery has been slower, but sort of you know generally improving month by month. And I think towards the end of the end of last year, um, you know, a lot of you know huge parts of China are just back to normal, particularly in the south. Um, Obviously, of late, we've seen you know some some flare-ups in terms of in terms of numbers, and I think that's had some impact. Uh, when we look at some of the, the the numbers that we saw in in December, we saw a bit of a slowdown. So you know, retail sales sort of dropping below five percent, which is the number we saw in November. And in discussions we have with you know, for example, some of the restaurant companies, some of the hotels, we've seen a bit of a drop off. I think there's probably a, a weather factor there as well. We've had some sort of you know. Pretty pretty bad weather, um, particularly uh, in the north. So it's probably a factor as well. But I think COVID is having is having some impact. Um, you know, having said that, I mean the government reacts quickly, um, and I'm uh, you know I think you know you got to be pretty confident that they can uh, they can they can they can definitely keep things under control. Um, um, so I was going to say I wanted to touch a bit more on the specifics of the portfolio. Um, yeah. I noticed you've got thirty percent invested in US listed companies. Can you explain why this is pleasing? Sort of the types of companies that those those holdings are in. Sure. Well, you know, I'm in, I'm investing in China, and so where the companies are listed is is less of a factor for me. Um, it's really where their businesses are, and the fact is that uh, a lot of the you know the tech companies are are um, are listed in the U.S. So you know the likes of Alibaba, um, Twenty One Vnet. Um, you know, in the tech space, but you know some non-tech names names like Noah, which is uh, a leader in, in in wealth management is is also listed in the U.S. Obviously, some of these companies are now listing in Hong Kong as well. But you know, the fact is, you know, uh, a, a lot of the particularly the tech companies are, are are listed in the U.S. You mentioned tech. There's about 15% of the trust invested in that sector. Could you maybe explain what other opportunities you're finding in other sectors as well? Because it's maybe not as high as perhaps yeah. some people would think, and obviously it's not impacted performance. Maybe just give us a bit of a snapshot of what you're seeing. Yeah, that's actually a bit misleading. Um, in terms of in terms of in terms of sector naming um, uh, in in MSCI China right now, um, because you're missing big swaths of, of of companies which are in many ways tech companies. So the, you know most of the e-commerce companies come under consumer discretionary. Um, so you know, and then so you you put Alibaba in that category, and then you've got Tencent, which is in communication services. So those two names alone, you've got to sort of add 25% to the tech component. So it is actually pretty significant, um, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of sort of overall, overall tech exposure, um, you know, outside of, outside of tech, um, you know, the, the areas that, that I think, you know, really have the, have the great long-term growth prospects in China, really anything consumer related. And that's why you'll see consumer discretionary is, is, uh, is, is, is a really big category for me, just, you know, really benefiting from, you know, the natural growth of the, of the middle class in China. Uh, and the other area is healthcare, uh, which, you know, will continue to grow in China. There's a lot of government support, uh, but this is just a huge amount of development activity um, in, 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 in China now. Um, so focused on the, on the companies that are really doing, you know, particularly the innovative work um, in, in that space in China. It's a pretty exciting growth area for the long term. And sort of as we sit here, um, maybe just give us your outlook for, for China this year, for 2021, and what excites you most, and maybe talk us through some of the threats you're also wary of in the, in the region. Sure. Well, I, you know, I still think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity. It's a, it's a market, you know, I think just looking at the economic backdrop, um, you know, we're, we're, 
as you've seen, you know, China was, you know, really the only large economy to grow last year. The outlook still looks pretty good for this year. Um, you know, I think sort of most people are forecasting sort of growth around the 8% level. And you can assume that consumption is sort of growing, you know, faster within that category. Um, so, I, you know, I think, I think, you know, the backdrop looks good. As we've talked about with COVID, um, I think there's probably a lot more uncertainty in other markets relative to China. We know that they have a pretty good track record of, of keeping, keeping things under control. So I'd say the risks um, are uh, relatively, relatively low as well. You know, if we were going to talk about risks, um, I'd, I'd say, you know, clearly the valuations are not as compelling as they were, you know, mm -hmm. when, you know, you know, that we saw sort of obviously at the beginning of last year with the market sell-off. Um, and there's clear, you know, there's clearly some frothiness in, in, in parts of the market. So I think you need to be, you know, you need to be, you need to be wary of that. Um, additionally, we've got, you know, you know, obviously signs of regulation in a number of sectors, particularly the, the tech sector. Um, so we need to sort of watch how how that plays out. Um, you know, I you know it, th there will be opportunities. Obviously, the focus is on the larger companies. So you know, in, it, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But there could be opportunities for for, for um, you know for smaller companies as a result of that. But overall, I'd say you know the, the overall backdrop you know still looks still looks pr pretty positive. It's just going to I think it's going to be a market where you're going to have to focus a lot more on on stock picking as opposed to just relying on on performance of the overall market. Are you holding back a bit of cash for those opportunities you mentioned, or how are you sort of playing that? Well, as you know, as a closed end fund, we have we have gearing. Um, I have uh, you know sort of brought the gearing back um, slowly as you know as, as as things have moved up. You know, it's been um, it's been an opportunity to take some money off the off the longs um, added to you know some of the some of the short opportunities. So. You know, I'm finding that the net gearing sort of, you know, gradually coming down, um, you know, for, for, for those regions. Um, that's great, Dale. Thank you very much for joining us today. Great. Thanks a lot. And if you'd like to learn more about the Fidelity China Special Situations Trust, please visit funcolor.com. And while you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.